Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. And now please enjoy The Guilty Feminist with me, Felicity Ward, and the hilarious Joan and Jerrica. I'm a feminist, but I'm slightly frustrated that I've gone up three sizes since I had a baby. Not because I'm fat, because I have to buy a whole new wardrobe. The hidden costs of having a baby. There are a lot of them. Very upsetting. I've seen your baby, though. So cute. Worth it. So cute. Can I mean, this is, this is the most parent thing I've ever done. Can I play you... a? 15 second video just to hear if I make a noise that he laughs at I'll just keep doing it so this was the noise yesterday I mean he's such a great dingus he's just top shelf dingus I feel like this is you're just using him as an audience because you can't get a real audience that's why else do you think I had a baby that and the choreography (laughs) that's it mate can you imagine when he can dance oh my god all right this is 
Play it before I go to bed. Watch it when I wake up. It's uh, weird. It's so weird how obsessed you are with your own kid. It's It's so funny what babies find funny. Oh, the weirdest things. But actually, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing. We have a lot of things in common. We both love pressing buttons. We both love being chased. We both love waving at people, at strangers. So that's more or less what babies are. Well, he's his mother's son. Yeah. Um, But he doesn't have a podcast. I don't either, to be fair. I'm just co-hosting. I'm a feminist, but when I watched Susan Wacoma in Enola Holmes on Netflix, I loved her so much. Regular listeners will know she's a regular co-host of this show. And I just loved so much watching her, not just do her suffragette because that's what she was doing. She was teaching suffragettes to jiu-jitsu. Incredible. But also schooling Henry Cavill's Sherlock Holmes on equality and feminism, just giving him this big old feminist lecture. And the only thing that I felt it lacked was that it could have turned into sex. It felt like she was having yeah, this big sure. old sparring, you know, screwball conversation with Henry Cavill where she was telling him what's what and she was telling him that the power structure suited him and that's why he didn't want change and blah, blah, blah. And it was so close to her going into jiu-jitsu throwdown, then into escalating into sex. The boink. And she said she would have been up for it. Henry, on the other hand. <laughs> it disappointed me. So there's been talks, people have loved Anola Holmes, and then there's been talks about spin-offs, and I would like her character, Susie's character, to get a spin-off, uh, Suffragitsu. It's sort of like Anola Holmes meets Cobra Kai, the new mm-hmm. Karate Kid show, but I think every week she should get involved in an argument with a handsome man that turns into jiu-jitsu, that turns into sex. So is it jiu-jitsu, Slash woman. then colon, then the sexcapades? Nice, nice. Right? Nice. And I want her to have sex with women too. Uh, this is not Obviously. Uh, a non-binary people. This is equal opportunities. I just want it to be Susie Wakoma going, and let me tell you another thing, jiu-jitsu, sex-jitsu. Sure. Sex-jitsu. Could just be called sex-jitsu. I don't know if that's catchy. Oh. Like I get that it does both jobs, but it's um, not, I mean, no pun intended. Shag-jitsu. That's great speech tree. Bonk-jitsu. Um, I don't know if this is I'm a feminist but but I was I grew up in a very homophobic town and I I'm a feminist but I had a dream when I was a teenager I was like 14 and I was about to kiss a woman and I was so afraid of kissing a woman in my dream that I turned the woman into Dan Aykroyd from Coneheads wow that's a real I'm a feminist but like that's that's internalised misogyny, homophobia in my subconscious. I'm like, this town is not going to let me get away with this dream. But Dan Aykroyd, yes, Dan Ac- bring it in, home. In Coneheads, the most phallic image that you can come up with. He wasn't with. even on a mission from God, clearly. No, Maybe he, he was just on a had a conehead. I can't remember. Oh, it wow. wasn't a good film. From a variety of kitchens and bedrooms via Zoom, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Felicity Ward and very special guests, Joan Damry and Jerrica Demain, talking about problem solving. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Morning. 
This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. With me is Felicity Ward, and we're talking about problem solving. Yay! You know, it's important, I think, to understand that problem solving is always a creative act. If you've got a problem, then clearly the solution is not sitting there. So you've got to create a solution. And I would say feminism is in itself a piece of problem solving. It's looking Mm. at the world going, oh, look at these fucked up power structures. What's the solution to this problem? Feminism. So Mm. just by being a feminist, if you're engaging in feminism, you are a problem solver. Problem solved. I mean. I mean, I am good at this stuff. This works really well for me because I'm a terrible problem solver. Are you? Yeah, I think I don't have a lot of common sense until I was like 17. You know how you wear a school skirt? Mm. Most girls would lift their skirt up and pull their undies down to go to the toilet. I undid the button and the zip and pulled them down like a pair of trousers until I was 17 and I was at a performing arts school and my friend said, why do you do that? And I'm like, because I'm going to the toilet. She's like, why don't you just lift the skirt up and pull the undies down? And it had never occurred to me. Wow. Wow, that's an extreme case. Of not problem solving. No. <laughs> that peeing in a skirt is easier than peeing in trousers. Mm, yep. Well, listen, if anyone's listening at home, there's probably a lot of people listening to this going, what? Who are having revelation. And if you are doing that, could you please at Felicity Ward on Twitter and say, <laughs> yes. I've just worked out that I can pee in a skirt by flipping it up, not pulling it down. So that's a great example of a problem we've solved for you today. I will admit to you, this is going to be a slightly different episode uh, because we have a couple of characters on. If you've heard the podcast <laughs> Dear Joan and Jerrica, or completely unrelated, wink, wink, if you love the work of Julia Davis or Vicky Pepperdine and you love the many, many classic golden television comedies they've been in, either of those things, you are really, really going to love today's show. It's it's not a normal guilty feminist, I would say that, Felicity Ward. I would say it might not be feminist at all. Ironically feminist. Ironically feminist. In Ironically upside down world, in, that's what irony is, satire. That's right. Yep. We're, we're, today we're sort of putting something in highlighter to highlight the power structures. Yeah. And sometimes the bad assumptions that are made by those power structures and perpetuated by women as well as men in them. I would say that today's episode mm. is what would happen if feminism did not exist. Great. Great. Yeah. So enjoy so the ride. Enjoy jo- the dystopia that would happen without us. <laughs> Dear Joan and Jerrica, one of the funniest podcasts out there. A couple of real characters, those women are. So I'm going to do my little piece to camera about problem solving because I think I've solved a problem really big I've solved I've solved I'm no I'm going to go further I've solved for the government the problem of the week in the UK there's a big problem that's been trending on Twitter today in the UK Alison Pearson Telegraph columnist tweeted this following tweet lockdown does not save lives it postpones deaths you end up with the same number of deaths you just prolong the crisis can this country stop being anti-science We may as well be examining animal entrails. Now, I saw this because Samuel West quote tweeted it with the following. Vote Conservative. Why postpone death? (laughs) And Tony Shorter followed up with the suggested Tory slogan, let's get death done. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, firstly, I would say a government's whole reason to be should surely be postponing death. <laughs> That's the purpose of community. If we team up, we are less likely to be eaten by a lion or ripped limb from limb by angry chimpanzees. Postponing death by sharing resources is the whole concept of society. And we know that because overall, over the years that we've had society, human beings' lifespans are getting longer. We are getting better at better at postponing death with modern <laughs> medicine, nutrition and social safety nets. In fact, pretty much everything the government does is meant to be a big old death postponer. <laughs> Regulating speed limits, funding the NHS, making sure food standards are met. All things that are going out of fashion as Brexit passes. Sure, but you get the idea. <laughs> now, Alison Pearson's Why Postpone Death Cult is an unusual hot take. But maybe it's a blessing in an excellent disguise for us. Because the one thing our government doesn't want to fund is the arts. Don't know if you've seen the posters this week. And if you're an international listener, we had a series of posters that apparently even came out before COVID. And it was a picture of uh, a young woman dressed as a ballet dancer. And it said, Fatima doesn't know that her next job might be in cyber. Uh, retrain, reboot, reskill, something like that. And basically saying, ballet, it's a bit silly, isn't it? Can't she just do something <laughs> with computers? And this became a big Ferrari on Twitter that the government don't care about art, the arts. So here's the thing. Our government doesn't want to fund the arts. It doesn't want to supplement them at a time when it would be dangerous for us to have audiences. And the arts, interestingly, is one of the only things that the government does fund that doesn't postpone death. <laughs> it, in fact, it explains death and it helps us process and accept death. It takes us through the stages of anger, denial, bargaining and acceptance. Songs, films, plays, so many of them in one way or another Explore what it means to be mortal and know that you're going to die, but live every day denying that fact, just trying to postpone it. So here's my <laughs> pitch to the government. It's a big problem solver. You're going to love it. Instead of forcing ballet dancers into jobs in cyber, how about commissioning a ballet? The theme of which is to lure the audience into the sweet acceptance that you no longer, Boris Johnson, have any interest in postponing our deaths or capability <laughs> to do so. Go for a classic, Swan Lake, just pop that on. Have you fallen in love and had a nice time? Time to stop being a burden on the state. Jump in a lake and accept your death. <laughs> there is no point postponing your death. Even with some magical swan-like shape-shifting, we're all going to die. Spoiler alert, they all die at the end of Swan Lake. Sorry, you haven't seen it. You're not going to. They've, they've cancelled ballet. You're absolutely um, right. <laughs> opera, operas are great for this. La Boheme. Got a terrible disease that means you can't breathe, but not got booper. We regret to inform you we can no longer postpone your death. La Boheme, that would be a great opera for them to put on now. They could live stream it. They could pay for the whole thing. It would help us all. King Lear, are you a world leader? Paranoid that everyone's out to get you and tweeting late into the night. Who is it that can tell me who I am? Have you not listened to your advisors lately? Sorry, we can no longer postpone your death. I think we need to pitch to the government that they've never needed the arts more. With so little ability to postpone our deaths, they need to tell us the story. So close your eyes on Hushabye Mountain, wave goodbye to cares of the day and watch your boat 
from Hushabai Mountain sail far away from Lullaby Bay. Because Boris Johnson might be in so deep now that artists may well be the only ones who can spin this mofo out. Let's get death done. Problem solved. Yay. You solved it, Deb. Mm. Well done. I've solved a problem. I've solved the arts problem. We're going to get funding now when they hear this. We'll You've get solved funding. the government. But also we help the public and each other understand postponing death really is a bit futile. Um, can is. you imagine tweeting? It's not changing the number of deaths. It's not changing the number of deaths. It's just postponing them. We're all going to die. It's so mad. What is that? So changing the number of deaths. Who would want to die? Who would want to live longer? (laughs) Who would you know? Ask anyone. Everyone's trying to get out. At some point, some point, you're going to die. Yes, moving along. Why postpone it? Why are you still burdening us with your presence? Burdening the state. Burdening Um, the state. So we've got a population problem. Let's get this death done. done. Get death done. Please welcome to the microphone, Felicity Ward. Woo! Woo! Now look, thank you, thank you. Come on, guys, keep it down. I've got to get through this. Um, I'm going to get through this. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know if we can use that for copyright purposes. The biggest problem I have is being a mum, and that's been the biggest problem since conception, basically. Um, I was pregnant last year, not anymore, that I know of, and it was a very good time to be a pregnant comedian last year. They were mm. they were getting a lot of Netflix specials, you know. I didn't feel the pressure, though. I just thought as long as my son is happy and healthy when he comes out and lucrative, then I am okay. I always think about pregnancy like this. Pregnancy is that special time in your life where you think people are going to stand up for you on public transport, but they don't. They, <laughs> um, not even when you hold your stomach, not even when you fake a little contraction to make them feel bad. Mm. They stay seated. People are dead inside, which is the opposite of what I was. Um, there is so, there's so many firsts when you are pregnant. Everything is unknown. And I, I should also prefix this by saying that I tried to fall pregnant for a long time and when I wasn't pregnant and lots of other people were, I felt very angry and very jealous. So I understand if you want to fast forward through this. I, I mean, we tried for so long I thought I was going to have a baby under a Labor government. Anyway, <laughs> there's so many firsts in, in pregnancy. The first time I got an ultrasound, it was an internal ultrasound, uh, important note, and I was overseas. I found out a week before I went overseas that I was pregnant. So I had to FaceTime my husband while I was getting the first ultrasound. And that was genuinely the first time I'd spoken to my husband while having another man inside me. Mm. Um, it's uh, all the apps that you get with pregnancy. They all tell you what size your baby is or the fetus is compared to a piece of fruit or food Mm. so it was like it was a grain of rice and then it was a lentil and it was a chocolate chip and then it was an olive and it's just such a great way to imagine what it's like to eat your baby um don't talk about food to a pregnant person it's not safe we're hungry all of the time pregnancy is wild it's at i can't believe that it's not on the news every night do you know that people who are pregnant have 50 percent more blood like just 50% more blood. I'm not what? saying they're better than you, 
or it's a competition. I am saying that they're better than you. Like you can ask any, any pregnant person can ask anyone else, what did you do today? And it wouldn't matter what they said because they could always go, well, I made a brain with my uterus. I made a brain with my uterus. I didn't even use my hands. Come on. Wow. I know. There's lots of myths that go around or things that you're supposed to experience that not everyone does. One of them is the big one is you're supposed to be very horny in your second trimester. I was not. It was just as if sex had never existed. The only thing that made me even slightly aroused was breathable fabrics. Um, (laughs) So I've got an auntie, an auntie Babs, and I called her up and I said, Babs, I I have this relationship with her. She's a bit older. And I said, Babs, um, most other people have told me that I'm supposed to be really horny in my second trimester and I'm not horny at all. Like I just don't. I just don't care about sex. And she went very quiet and I thought, I've overstepped the mark here. And I said, are you okay? Should I have not said that if I freaked you out? And she goes, no, no, I just remember my second trimester. I used to go to bed just laying back wishing a football team would visit me. I'm like, come on, Babs. Oh, Auntie Babs. I don't want to know about your dusty giant, mate. Come on. Um, The biggest thing that they don't tell you about, and Deb, you are not going to like this bit, they don't tell you about the farts. They do not tell you. I'm sorry. They're so, if you're out in public and someone pregnant is next to you and you smell the worst thing you've ever smelt in your life, it was them. A hundred percent it was them. They're so bad. I'm surprised my husband didn't divorce me. I'm surprised I still have my eyebrows from the aftermath. There was once I got, you know, when you, Deb, you're not going to say yes to this, but you know, when you're in the shower and you do a fart and it's bad, no. but it's fine because it's yours. No. No. Okay. Well, everyone else knows. I did a fart that was so bad while I was showering. I was pregnant. I thought, I'm going to have to step out of this. I'm uh, I'm curdling the water here. This is this is not what God intended. So I have I've had the baby. Obviously, um, I've put on three stones since I had a baby. So when I look down, uh, what I see is leftovers. You know, in every sense of the word, just a big a big belly. And I think about it like this. You know, when you buy something that's really expensive and you keep the box in case you want to take it back, mm. that's what my stomach is. It's mm. it's the box. Just in, Well, I mean, the box is lower, but you get my idea. Um, you develop natural instincts as a mother. That's been my experience. Uh, like I intuitively knew it was time to stop sterilising his bottles when I saw him lick the wheel of his pram. I just knew, you know, I'm like, I don't think I need to do both things here. And the rules change. You you learn to solve problems on the go. You know, when he was one month old, if his dummy was used once, it went in a steriliser. At seven months old, if it doesn't visibly have rat poison on it, it can have it again. It's fine. Mm. This last bit, I don't know if I'm, I'll just do it. I People think I'm a vegetarian. I look like a vegetarian. I don't know what that is, but I look like I've used the hashtag meat is murder, you know. Mm. I'm not. I absolutely I love meat. I love meat too much. I want to be a vegetarian, but I just can't, even though I love animals. So when I say... Grace Petrie suffers from this as well. Do you have this as well, Grace? Uh, Well, I have it doubly because people think lesbians are all vegetarians. So uh, every girlfriend I've ever had, their family have assumed I was a vegetarian. Mm. I had to be correct. Vegans now. But lesbians being vegetarians is very 1995. Now now the association is veganism. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I have. I no, no. It's fine. I have that look about me. I think it's that thing where people go. There's something you don't do that I like, 
and it's alcohol. I don't drink, but they go, she's probably a vegetarian as well. You know, they just like to cover all bases. So uh, my biggest problem is, you know, I'll be driving past a paddock and I'll just see a little lamb bounding around and I just want to run over and cuddle it and then just cover it in mint sauce and put <gasps> it in the oven at 180 degrees, oh you know, God. for a couple of hours. Obviously that's a joke. You never put mint sauce on first. Um, I've tried corn, been introduced to corn. It's a meat substitute. It's like sad mince, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. We always have a packet in the fridge. It's been there since 2012. It's the same packet. Uh, it has a very long shelf life because it's made of breadcrumbs and sand. And it's versatile. You can put it in a bolognese or you can put it in the bin, whatever you want. It's always there. Um, I don't really have an end to this. This was basically just some thoughts that I put together that were problems that I have not solved. So that's that's my grand exit. <laughs> so if anybody out there has any solutions to Flick's problems, at her, at Felicity Ward on Twitter. Oh, um, everywhere. I'm at Felicity Ward everywhere except TikTok. Everywhere. I've just joined TikTok, Deb. That's a solution to everything. It is. I think it's actually a very healthy way to deal with life. And when I say deal, I mean escape from. Why live life when you can live TikTok? Right? I'm coming out with all the slogans today. Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. As you probably know, I'm sometimes asked to go to conferences and speak to people in business about things like diversity and inclusion, creativity, and how you can better include yourself and include others. During lockdown, I've been delivering these talks from home, and now for the first time, I'm making some of these ideas available to everyone. I'll be doing three live Skill Booster webinars over Zoom every Thursday at 2pm from the 12th to the 27th of November. And you can get your tickets now. We've tried to make these as affordable as we can. If you've got a good job or you can get your company to pay for them, they're 60 quid each or all three for 150. If you're out of work or you're a student or an NHS worker, we have a small number available for just £10 each or £25 for all three. And if you support us on Patreon, you can get a special exclusive discount code there. For more information and to book, see the links in the show notes or on our website, guiltyfeminist.com. And speaking of Patreon, if you're supporting us, you get access to special hangout events where you get to spend some quality time with me, ask me questions and get some exclusive scoops. For November, we've got something even better. I'll be spending an evening with Grace Petrie so you can ask her questions about her life. Uh, I'll do a Q&A with her. She'll sing songs, uh, covers, all sorts. And that will be on Thursday, the 12th of November. You'll be, even be able to see her singing her new live lockdown hit. But you have to be a Patreon supporter to get access to it. Uh, so sign up if that sounds like something you would like to do. Our Be Well workshops are still running with amazing teachers running workshops on yoga, mindfulness and movement. Go to guiltyfeminist.com slash be hyphen well to book your place now. All the money goes to the teachers and the administrator. And lastly, our merch store is still open for business with all the Guilty Feminist mugs, t-shirts, notebooks and tote bags you could want. They all make excellent Christmas presents. And so does my book, The Guilty Feminist, available wherever books are sold. Thanks to everyone who's kept us going this year by supporting the podcast. Whether it's being a Patreon supporter, buying our merch, coming to our live shows or just being a listener and telling other people about the show. If you've rated, reviewed and subscribed, look, honestly, we couldn't keep doing it without you. So thank you very much indeed. And now back to the podcast. Okay, so our guests are Joan Damry, 
who was born in Galbraith, Scotland, one of nine children crammed happily into a two-up, two-down with an outside toilet. Devoted mother of five and wife to coma-bound husband, Ralph. Or is it Rafe? It's Ralph, yes. I wish it was Rafe, but it's not. (laughs) Joan is also a life coach, psychogenital counsellor, much-admired TED Talk speaker, accomplished flautist and writer of best-selling erotic fiction series, Lust and Lies, at Glanmore Manor. Jerrica Domain is proud to be British, dedicated mother and tender wife, though her husband Philip spends 98% of his time running a Boy Scout school in Thailand. Jerrica is also an <laughs> award-winning writer, having penned five books on depression and another entitled Wild Lady Swims, a guide to Britain's most polluted waterways. A keen front crawler, Jerrica is often seen pounding up and down the Regent's Canal, dodging oncoming craft in her russet tankini and homemade flippers. Please welcome the hosts of the hit podcast, Dear Joan and Jerrica. It's Joan and Jerrica! Yay! Hello there. How are you? Wonderful. It's wonderful to be here. So wonderful to have you. Thank you. So we generally play a game at the top called I'm a Feminist Bart, in which we confess something or a few things that maybe where our feminist values and actions don't meet. So here's one that I've got. I'm a feminist, but I had a sex dream about John Hamm the other night. This is true. And in the dream, in the dream, he was balding a bit and he he just didn't look box fresh. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He he looked much more late middle-aged than he does in real life. He didn't look at all like John Draper. And in the dream, Mm. I thought, oh, this isn't intimidating at all. This is fine. And I happily, you know, went into the full, you know, romance slash shag situation. Mm. And Mm. this is true. I downgraded John Hamm in my dream so that I would feel comfortable sleeping with him, even though he was not there. I did that for myself because then I didn't feel judged. You balded him. I balded it. It was just a bald spot, but I was quite surprised to Mm. see it. I was like, oh, I didn't know he was balding. And I wasn't judging it. If you're balding at home, don't write in to tell me that balding is sexy. I know that. I'm just saying. I just knocked the edge off. You shaved a bit of ham off. I've shaved. It was. I made him a little bit more prosciutto. Mm. Um, I would say, um, Deborah, that I think a balding man is a very, very sexy man indeed. Mm. And uh, I'm always very attracted to these uh, balding silver foxes with the little wisps uh, combed over the top. I think that's a wonderful look. Mm. So, um, you know, I wouldn't... uh, I think you've done rather well there. Do you think I've improved and it could actually him? Be a, yes, it could be a premonition for John as he becomes cleverer, perhaps as the years go by, as the hair falls out. Uh, it could be a sign of something like that. I don't know how bright John is. I mean, of course, we all, we're all we all attracted to Don Draper, but Jerrica and myself do like, uh, you know, a lot of these sort of tubby bald guys, actually. Mm. They're often very, very sexy. Nothing wrong with a bit of fatty deposits around the waist. Not uh, that mm. uh, John Ham has got those, but, uh, you know, we love a guy with a, a good old handful that you can grab hold of. And, uh, yes, nothing nothing nicer than a bit of dad tum. <laughs> he, he had that in my dream. Or a handful, yes. <laughs> he had that in my More dream. More than a handful to waist. Felicity, do you have one? I do. I'm a feminist, but I was thrilled when another woman recently asked me if I get Botox on my forehead (laughs) and then grilled me about my beauty regime which includes a Cetaphil face wash face wash because I have sensitive skin and men's Nivea sensitive skin day moisturizer so it's a very um thorough uh process basically I just felt nice when someone thought I looked young you were botoxed up 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like like a compliment. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joan and Jerica. How do you feel about Botox? Well, I'm all for it. Um, I think a lot more people should be getting it than they are, to be honest. Mm. I think a lot of ladies aren't taking care of themselves. And uh, yes, it, we, a lot of people would be wise to do it. And we know lots of guys do it as well. Uh, Simon Cowell, these types of men, a lot of these presenters. Piers Morgan, yes. uh, he's known. Two of my biggest pinups. He's got fillers all over his face. Mo- Monty mm. Don. Onto Don, mm. of course, as well. But I think the point mm. being, really, that uh, these these men don't really need to do it, do they? And it's delightful and sweet of them to try. But, uh, mm. you know, I think our jo- Joan and I's mantra really is, if you need it, for goodness sake, get it done. You know, yes, a lot of ladies so, have become rather complacent, I'm afraid, and a lot of gents are having to just up and leave and find a younger model, which uh, really can't mm. blame them for. So your your motto for Botox is the same as the government's motto for Brexit, Let's get it get done. It done. Oh. Yes, get let's it done. get Botox it's done. It's a jolly good motto, that, actually. I mean, Botox I means also, Botox. Also think with Botox, people worry about having a paralysed face or whatever, but um, there's only so many facial expressions a lady needs uh, at the end of the day anyway. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so. I mean, better a, better a paralysed face than a wrinkled, Joan. Mm, what are the main expressions that a lady needs, in your opinion? Well, smiling, um, mouth open, um, that's probably it really, isn't it? Mm. The two biggies. Yes, but mainly to just look gorgeous, really. So what, you just go to the doctor and say, just set it in gorgeous. And I I won't need to move it after that. Absolutely. Because guys get very, very put off by a frowning lady or a disappointed disappointed face. It's, Mm. uh, you know, it's very hard for them. Opinions. Opinion face. Opinions make your face ugly, don't they? Absolutely. Exactly. Thinking. Yeah. Thinking. Yeah. Yeah, a furrowed think- brow. Nothing less attractive. Yeah, mm. I've heard of thinking, but I haven't used it yet. I, I will try to avoid it. Good for you. And now that you're a mum, of course, you're not going to be using that part of your brain anymore anyway, are you, really? Absolutely no, not. Of that will have gone, actually, since yes. your birth. Uh, that oh. is not even a joke. I thought I was uh, I was trying to think of the word cemetery the other day. Couldn't think of it. So said death garden. So <laughs> well, that's nice actually. It's really it, quite pretty. That's sweet it's enough. It's a baby talk, isn't it? That will do serve you very well as a mum, I would have thought. Death garden is a nicer way to put it than cemetery for a little a little toddler. I mean again, you might be coming up with another uh, perhaps uh, another turn of uh, phrase or slogan for the government there. Why think of it as a cemetery <laughs> 2020 when you could call it a death garden? Well, oh, I think wonderful. of the UK as a cemetery. Think of that as a death garden. In a very real way. Uh, so, yeah, just basically go to the doctor, say, I don't want a feisty face. I'm looking just for a, a gorgeous, glamorous grin and just set mm. it permanently as long as the jaw can drop. Good. These are, as long these as it are, can open into a sort of O, o shape uh, yes. right. for obvious reasons. These are the tips that you get on Dear Joan and Jerrica, and they do really answer questions, listeners. If you listen, you will find a lot of the problems solved. What made you begin this podcast? Well, it was just the number of people that would be coming up to us uh, begging for help. We we felt it was our duty, really, to step in and sort these poor folk out. Mm. Who, who was asking you for help before you did the podcast? In where? Just people in the street, you know, could see the tender, caring uh, faces that we that we possess naturally. And, uh, you know, Joan, of course, up in Scotland, um, roaming the countryside with her dogs and horses. And people would come up and say, oh, please, could you, you know, help me with this and that? And, uh, you know, I've always had this uh, 
complex relationships, no secret, with my daughter Cardinal, who's needed an awful lot of help. It was sort of a natural progression, Joan, really, wasn't it? Once we, uh, once we met, we realised we both shared this caring gene um, and it seemed only right to help people with it. I think having the number of marriages that I've had, I realised I had a skill for, you know, compassion and uh, life experience, really. Experience more than Just anything. A lot of- A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
Um, I'd like to talk to you about feminism, and this show is about feminism. Mm. Um, is it? And yes, mm. yeah, it's oh. called the Guilty Feminist. Oh um, right. Oh sorry, I hadn't quite grasped that. Did you, Joan? No, but it's uh, it is a woman's place to be guilty, anyway, isn't it? In life, so True. Uh, well observed. Uh, well observed. We've had another too many cream cakes, or zero, <laughs> yeah. oh, dear. So, can we ask you about uh, how you came to feminism, Joan and Jerrica? What drew you to feminism? A rather odd question, Joan. I mean, I don't think we've described ourselves. Do you, do you mean being feminine? Okay, well, let's start there and see if we can get to the. St- Part of that. What do you believe women should have? Um, a wonderful husband. A nice bra. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good underwear. Good underwear. Firming underwear if there's any uh, droopy bits. A lovely hairstyle. Um, what else, Joan? Makeup. Pretty mouth. Um, yes. Uh, not too many teeth. No, not too crowded in the teeth department. Uh, an ability to... Uh, suppress the gag reflex is very important Um, that is important actually and maybe on a on a macro scale what in the world that women don't have do you think they could achieve do you think there's anything that we could work towards what do you believe women could work towards that we don't have on a world scale for example i think the unfortunate thing is an awful lot of showing off that goes on with a lot of these women nowadays and i think if women were a little Mm. bit quieter and a little bit in your face i think a lot of people might take more notice Mm. you know i think personally i'd rather see a very pretty young lady with a nice smile you know perhaps putting forward a view but understanding that at the end of the day it's not really going to be uh, rocket science we all know that women have smaller brains um, and don't have as many uh, brain cells. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm always having to defer to Philip and calling him up, even in the middle of the night in Thailand. He's busy with one of his scouts and they get him out and bring him in. And uh, uh, I have to ask him sort of problems I've got with the car or the house or any number of other things, to be honest. But, uh, Classic you know, women. Joan, Classic I know you Philip. struggle, Classic don't you, trying to get answers out of Ralph. Yes, obviously. So I'm very bereft there, but I have a number of other male staff uh, who can help me with all sorts of things. Male um, staff? Certainly. Sounds very Downton Abbey. Oh, yes. Well, I've got this, uh, I have a couple of properties. I've got my Knightsbridge pad and I've got my castle and in the castle, it needs all kinds of work. So I have a lovely guy, Pierre, who lives in with me. He uh, does my gardening and he helps me around the bedroom with bits and bobs and if I can't sleep and so forth. And uh, Yes, I find uh, I find he's a wonderful help in all sorts of ways, and uh, I can be and a bit dizzy, a bit ditzy at times. And he'll be there to pick up the pieces, always, always. as a man should. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs a Pierre. Um, now you've got a book out, and one of the things I was intrigued by was the uh, do's and don'ts from dating to death. Mm. Uh, could you give Flick and I some advice um, from your do's and don'ts from dating to death? Mm. What are some things we should do? What are some things we should not do? Well, first thing that probably springs to mind for me, I don't know about you, Jerrica, is uh, thinking about uh, trying to keep hubby happy throughout the day, keeping him sexually pumped throughout the day. Mm. Sexually pumped? Mm. Yes, and fed. Please tell us more. You need to feed his uh, sexual... Uh, needs. Uh, if you think of it like that, much as you would feed a, a newborn baby, you need to think of ways to be constantly attentive and uh, listening out, looking out for any signs that he's in need of any sexual uh, fluffing or uh, mm-hmm. other such uh, aspects. So, um, for example, the minute you wake up, he's going to want to uh, be doing some 
simple morning anal, um, I would say, in most cases, or perhaps a little cook blowy uh, before he gets stressed to go off to work. And then you'll want to be doing things like sending photos of your undercarriage throughout the day. And perhaps if you, I don't know, if you go to a mum's coffee morning, get a few of the other ladies to take some pics and send those over too. And just keep him interested uh, between him, you know, having a coffee and going out for lunch with his secretary. I think it's really about not uh, letting these poor guys get too grumpy or angry, isn't it? Because mm. uh, that's when the troubles start in the world in general. When you look across the world, everything from Donald Trump to whoever, you know, mm. it's because they're a bit bit grumpy, really. These so guys. you're yeah, suggesting more blowjobs, less war. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes, another another great phrase. Tagline. Yes. yes. It's a good equation. It works. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm... Philip's away at the moment, but I've got a live-in, I've got a lodger who um, is very demanding. So, uh, <laughs> a young guy, student. I didn't realise you run an Airbnb element to your string to your bow there. Uh, well, it's not exactly. It's just a spare room, really. And uh, you I mean, know, you I... actually you actually pay him, really, don't you, Jericho? I do. Bit. Yes, I provide meals and uh, give him a bit of pocket money, and uh, yes, just sort of help him out, really. But uh, he's one of uh, Mahmoud's recommendations. Uh, he's one of the uh, the fellas. I have a, a. Of course, my husband's away, and I have a, a the danger of my vaginal canal sealing up. Uh, because he's away yeah. so much, so a I'm very forced, real. I'm forced threat. occasionally to take in lovers. Um, is that a real a medical practical. Uh, threat for many women? Because this is something on the show we do like to, you know, we often mm. have someone on talking about some kind of medical issue that we might be needing yes. more aware of. Oh, it's very real. Yeah, um, very real, and particularly in Jerrica's case because her uh, vaginal vestibule is actually twenty-two inches long which does sound crazy, but it's true. And uh, so to get any guy approaching that is is difficult. And uh, she would be in a very bad way if she wasn't being serviced Mm. uh, on a daily basis. I mean, you've both given birth, Jerrica and Joan. Um, Yes, yes, many times. Any any advice for, you know, again, it's a feminist podcast, any advice for giving birth or not giving birth? I I was rather lucky. Don't invite... Don't invite the guys along, that's for one thing. Oh, no, it? don't mm-hmm. let the men that. see you pushing and red face. God, mm. no, don't let them see you excreting fecal matter as you pass the baby out of the uh, the, the hole. Um, I mean, I'm right off. You won't have a husband anymore, is that right? Exactly. exactly. You want to keep a husband, don't let him into the room having a baby, for goodness sake. I mean, I was rather fortunate in that uh, Cardinal was uh, absolutely enormous. She was two stone in the womb. <laughs> And uh, so it, was, it was impossible for me to have a vaginal birth. And so I ended up having what they call a pez, uh, which is where they cut round you and just open you up completely and uh, take out the baby and then shut you up again, rather like those pez machines where you pull back the head and a little sweetie comes out. So I was fortunate and thankfully my vaginal canal remained un, uh, undestroyed. So it was um, like a manhole cesarean? Indeed. A yes, full, not pez, just like a little... It. You sort of cut all around and then flip the body back over so you're essentially sort of divided in two halves and then they take out this giant baby, um, wow. two-stone baby, and then they fold you back up again. So I've got a line of stitching all the way around my stomach. I just tell people I've been bitten by a shark. Hmm. And, and, uh, and uh, 
I mean, I feel like Netflix would be interested in a documentary on that, Jerrica. I feel like you should mm. perhaps pitch that. I think they'd be oh, well, very interested in... Netflix are always coming at Joan and I, aren't they, Joan? And, uh, oh, goodness, we fight them off, really, don't we? Yes, they're always knocking on our door. They really are. Uh, Banging on Joan's castle door and uh, mm. crashing across her drawbridge. They want a sort of selling sunset set in Scotland, really, with uh, some of the properties and uh, the glamorouses like myself and... Uh, Sort of like a modern modern Dallas almost. uh. I actually heard on the grapevine, because I am in the industry, you two pitched something that was like, come dine with me, but it wasn't come dine with me. It was come something else with me. Come come with me? That must, I overheard it in Soho House and I thought, what is that? Come come with Mm. me. Could you just very briefly pitch us that format? Because it does sound brilliant. Well, it's just, it's very much like come dine with me, but you're inviting people around to the house and uh, each of you are trying to find different ways to make the other reach climax uh, during a meal. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's simultaneously. Uh, well, I, 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 I had no idea that the, the three courses were still an element. <laughs> no, we want to make it fun, uh, you know, and uh, palatable. Absolutely. And then, of course, everyone votes at the end and then the uh, the winner gets a wonderful weekend of uh, bliss on a special boob hunt holiday uh, where they get to have. A, they, they, it's always a man that wins um, and they get to go on these wonderful boob hunt holidays that are organised by Bear Grylls. Mm. Um, well, men are so much to... better at climaxing. I mean, Absolutely. I can understand also, also why. It's very, it's very clear there's proof, whereas women very often are just pretending, aren't they? So. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's the thing, though, is we are quite good at the sort of when Harry met Sally, you know, performance. Mm. So I feel like there should be a prize for an actual orgasm and then mm. a, a prize uh, for a replicated, a very good facsimile of an orgasm, which is what most women are doing most of the time, I hear. What do you in think, Cosmopolitan. Joan? Well, um, I do think, obviously, for poor guys, as we've talked about before with one of the machines that we talk about in the uh, book, the Lady Come Quick Machine, which judges a lady to orgasm or pretend orgasm. And the thing is, these poor guys are always fiddling about down there, aren't they, with their fingers on their tongues, and they don't know what the heck they're doing. Poor mm. things. And, uh, it's exhausting for them. So actually for a woman to fake an orgasm is is really just a very nice thing to do. It's, it's just polite. polite. Yes. yes. Polite. Mm. Yeah. Have you politely faked an orgasm ever, Flick? Um, I think once because I needed to go to the toilet. Oh. So I, I moved things along and then went, oh, I just popped to the top, absolutely busting. The absolutely. old orgasm to avoid a UTI. Um, that yeah. is a... that is It's a, a classic move. Absolutely. Yourself, Deb? Um, yeah, I think um, some men have very big egos and the larger the ego, the larger the orgasm needs to be. So oh, I'm not saying yeah. I didn't come. I'm saying that I exaggerated the size of the standing ovation. Sure. Mm. So yeah. I, might have, oh, I, I might have come like this, but actually, you know, yeah. in performance, it was more operatic. Yeah, I was mm. going to say. Cause it's it. Good for you. Well done. Well I done. mean, now anything you want our listeners to know about your book? Well, it's, it's a rather fun, it's fun. Um, it's got tips, it's got recipes, it's got quizzes, it's got pictures. And uh, we talk a lot about our family members and friends and uh it's just a sort of all-round fun for all the family type book, really. Yeah. Um, Would it make a good Christmas present? A lovely oh, Christmas present or a interesting wedding thought. Gift. Yes, yes, I'd say it'd make a wonderful, thinking about it just now, just thinking about it, it would make a, a wonderful Christmas present. Yes. Um, for whom would you recommend somebody, who, who in the family would benefit from this? Who's the ideal recipient of this? 
it's for everyone, really. I mean, spinsters obviously would enjoy reading this. Yes, um, I think, and uh, young ladies who are wanting tips on how to find and and absolutely keep a man. And uh, and we we are covering all the way through from as we say dating to death. So it covers uh, the menopause years. It covers childbirth. It covers. Uh, gay relationships it's just really a right across the board mm, sex um, in care homes uh, you know we cover the whole whole shebang really and we do you know Joan and I share some very very intimate personal stories yes um, yes within there uh, they're in the book or just now for dating in the time of social distancing like if you're using an app and you might be meeting a stranger any advice well if you meet a stranger what we are saying at the moment is um you know, that obviously face-to-face is not great, uh, breathing all over each other. So we do we do very much recommend that uh, the lady offers anal on a first date. Mm. Does it have to be anal? Could it not just be a doggy-style situation? Well, I suppose so. But, um, you know, I think if you're, if you're fun and you're up for anal, I think a guy's going to be instantly uh, very, very excited and uh, delighted. And listeners, it's you. not even 1 p.m. Um, I, just on the anal, would you? Is it is it rude to offer lubrication or? Oh, don't offer lubrication. No, okay. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't need it. Don't no. spoil it for him. Sure. Nice. Nice dry. <laughs> yes. Sharp Pardon. and dry. <laughs> like a like a crisp white wine. Mm. Absolutely. More opportunities for it to catch. Well, if you pass it over your shoulder, lovely stuff. This is a Christmas show and a book for the whole family. This would be Mm -hmm. a great book. Why not give it to put it in everybody's stocking? This will be some icebreakers to discuss over Christmas dinner. You could read a little bit from it over Christmas dinner and then get people's thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, I I certainly will be doing that. I would think girls, eleven to twelve, when they're very vulnerable and haven't yet developed their own ideas about sexuality yes. this would be a perfect gift for them to, to shape their future well we talk a lot about girls getting surgery saving up for surgery sure uh to get the right boobs and the right vulva and the right whatever mm-hmm. so that uh you know you've got a bigger chance of uh, nabbing yourself a hubby uh, yeah. when the time comes yeah well bigger prepared. chance smaller vulva how about that be prepared smaller vulva, get a bigger chance i think that's a good slogan for you smaller vulva bigger chance yes mm-hmm. absolutely and get it done Get, get it, done. it done. Get Botox it done. Botox means Botox. Just get it done. Get it done. Brexit, Botox, smaller vulva, bigger chance, get it done. These are some top draw slogans. I think I'm going to make one of those posters that sort of say live, laugh, learn, but with all of those Botox, smaller vulva. Just have it on my wall to remind me this is what it's all about. Sharp and dry. Sharp, Sharp and, and dry. dry. More blowjobs, less yeah. war. Yeah. It's all there. Sharp and dry, good for wine. And for our sex. Mm, lovely. These are some top slogans we're coming up with. I mean, I feel like we should do a real crossover episode. Now, we do Patreon now in the time of not being able to perform in live theatres. And uh, we had some questions from our Patreon listeners. And mm. our people talk to your people. And you said you'd be happy to answer one or two. Did mm. you choose mm-hmm. one or two to answer? Yeah, Stephanie Jones, PA, was meant to send those across. It may well be that uh, she's oh, don't get me started it. on her. Okay. She's a great bulky girl and uh, not a lot of common sense. So, I've locked her in the cellar today, so she's uh, she won't have done that. I'm afraid. I'm all apologies about that. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to hear that, but I listen. I know you're great on your feet. 
It's often said about you. Um, So this one is from Donna Howard, who's a Guilty Feminist listener and Patreon contributor. She says, my dilemma is this. I am the only woman on a team of 22. In fact, there are more men Mm -hmm. called Kev than there are women in my team. I am the most knowledgeable person on the team in terms of my job, but not very confident. And I can't talk management language like the boys above me. I really want to get a promotion and prove that I am good at my job, but I've got to try and act like I have the confidence of a mediocre white businessman. Any tips on how I, a lone woman in an all-male team, can do that without them getting defensive? Kindest regards, Donna. Mm, lucky lady being with all those guys. Wow. Wonderful guys called Kevin. Oh, wonderful. What a lovely name um, Kevin is, Joan, don't you think? Isn't it? you got your Kevin Keegan, uh, Kevin McLeod. Yes. Spacey. Kevin, oh, Kevin Spacey, Kevin. absolutely. Yes, a lovely, lovely fellow. And uh, yes, what a lucky, lucky girl to have these wonderful guys called Kevin all around her. <laughs> wonderful. Mm. I'm, I'm wondering why she wants a promotion is, would be my first question. Mm. Yeah, so she, presuming she's not married, therefore. A lone woman in an all-male team. I mean, she doesn't speak to her marital status, but lone woman doesn't no. imply that she's happily married and settled. Sounds like a lonely woman. Yes, yeah, so she's misspelt that. Uh, I mean, could she, can't, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to intrude on your area of expertise, but could she get one of the Kevins to marry her? Would that help? Oh, that's an idea. Well, but she could she, certainly sleep with a few of them. Yes. yes, but don't try and get promoted above one of them, or you'll absolutely, you'll absolutely put them off. It sounds to me rather like a rather an arrogant miss, uh, really. Um, you know, yes. look, I think the thing to remember here is that, you know, she talks about management language. This is a pretty tricky language that these men have to learn. And they've developed over a number of years all sorts of uh, wonderful phrases and uh, ways to explain things and mansplain things to women. And, uh, you know, to try and muscle in and learn that it's not to, it's the job of a lifetime, really, for a lady. And uh, you know, as I've said earlier on in the programme, women do have these uh, tiny, tiny brains, uh, very few brain cells. Yeah, so we've said before that uh, ladies like Carol Vorderman are the type of women who've got it right in terms of being clever, but not too clever. Yeah, not threatening. Staying, not threatening, staying feminine, but, you know, not mocking the guys, not jeering at the guys, trying to compete with them, mm. trying to mm. show off. It's about being, okay, she could, I think, I don't know what this lady, is there a photo of this Donna girl at all that you could pop There isn't a photo of this Donna girl, no. She's not provided a photo, so I can't believe it. That's a shame, because I'm thinking perhaps she could wear some some tight skirts and high shoes and a bit of lippy and... uh, that would, you know, you can distract the guys because they are led by their penises. And uh, so that's one way of doing it. Set the cat among the pigeons, uh, you know, by licking a lollipop and uh, saying you've got an idea. Mm, or eating a banana in a meeting. There. Mm, eat a banana and draw mm. attention and then you can, I don't know. But I mean, all I would say, is she talks about lacking confidence. Um, you know, we all know, don't we? I think all of us would agree that confidence for a, a woman is really about looking looking really good mm. and getting the right lipstick and getting the right nips and tucks, whether it's surgical or with underwear. I think confidence can be quite ugly on a woman. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. There's a difference between a, a sort of a bit of pizzazz and uh, uh, confidence, and confidence yes. does tend towards an arrogant, spiky 
uh, sort of angular look on a woman, really. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking with the management language, just learn the basics like circle back and reach out. You don't need to mm. worry yourself with key performance indicators, things and like that. That's in. too much. Yes, yes. So loop maximum in. push, yes. maximum push, maximum penetration. Um, it's all very straightforward. Penetrate the market. Exactly. That kind of I language, mean, it sort of it lingers, doesn't it? But it mm. lingers in the air and I think brings an element into the meeting that people appreciate. Absolutely. It's very powerful, very masculine. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and that's the clue here, isn't it? It's masculine language. And to hear it come out of a woman's mouth is pretty ghastly, to be honest with you. Although, as Debbie says, if it's words like penetrate Please or, don't call push me Debbie. or maximum I'll push. I'll have to end this call. Sorry, Deb. Um, <laughs> that's what the guys want to hear. What that's about what thrust? they want to hear. Have we got the thrust of this? Mm. Would that work? Mm. It's sort of it because it's a bit more innuendo-y. Yeah, let's yeah. go deep with this. I think those <gasps> types That's of a good things. one. Mm. Answering questions like, I'm easy. Yes. Oh, good. Drill down. Drill down. <laughs> 22 <laughs> inches deep with this one. How about yes, that? indeed. Absolutely. Like In some cases, uh, necessary. I mean, you she can smash my some... glass ceiling. Yes, absolutely. Anything a bit coy, anything a bit fun and uh, flirty. But don't try and speak the actual management language if you're a, a female. Absolutely it's, not. Uh, it's not a, not a good look, is it? Uh, we've got another question here from Alexandra Lewis. Uh, mm. She says, I'd love to hear who Joan and Jerrica's feminist icon is. Mm. Gosh, Gosh, well, there's so many. Really, um, so many. I mean, Mel- of course, Melvin Bragg comes to mind. Yes. Um, Why Melvin yes. Bragg? Well, oh, he's a darling. He's, just, he's gorgeous. He's absolutely um, darling and uh, very very, very generous fellow and very free with his opinions. And uh, Wonderful lent, hair. Lent Joan his uh, wonderful hairspray once, didn't he, Joan, when you were in a tight corner? Yes. He's a very thoughtful man and uh, very caring. And uh, Jason Donovan, obviously, another one. Um, Lovely. Monty Don. I mean, I've mentioned Monty Don before, but we've always... Got a bit of a thing oh, with Monty Don, Joan, yes. if you don't mind me saying. Mm. Yeah, it just comes well, up too much for it to be a coincidence. Well, look, Monty and I go back years now, really. Joan All the way back. Joan and uh, mm. I knew him, what Cardinal was at school with uh, one of his nieces and uh, was very friendly, mm. pretty friendly with her at one stage. Oh, I thought that was Kevin MacLeod. Uh, yes, and Kevin. It was a rather coincidental oh. thing. Was, they had a little right. group of three. Oh, OK. Has he ever three entered friends. your lady garden? Monty, mm. I can't. Loves a garden, uh, I, Monty. I, I, I'm afraid I can't disclose that. I've I've actually signed a, an NDA or, on a number of things, including that. So I can't really talk about that. But uh, what I will say is that um, the porridge oats man has mm. been someone that uh, Joan and I have always looked up to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The porridge oats man. Yes, the man on the... We met him at a party. When was it, Joan? Sort of 70s? Yes, yes. And um, yes, it was gorgeous to see him in the flesh, having admired him uh, every morning over breakfast in his wee kilt there on the box. Uh, and we actually did look up his skirt, didn't we? Up his kilt. And that was very nice. But um, yes, I think perhaps Mahmoud really is our feminist icon, yes. isn't he, Joan? Yes. Just because he helps us look like the wonderful ladies that we are today and... Uh, Helps us with all sorts of uh, glamorous He's all looks. about the ladies, yes. Very, absolutely. very helpful. So I think my top tip would be him, although I'm very keen on uh, John Nettles. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. Hugh Hefner? He employed a lot of women. Oh, what a... Yeah, Hefner was fun. Well, Hugh was a very fun, is still a very fun uh, person to He's hang out with. He's dead, though, now. Is he not passed on? Quite dead. Hugh? Yeah, quite Still dead, fun Hefner. to hang out with, though. Yes, still got that he's real still, spark. He put in his will that he was to be kept in a glass coffin in that mansion and uh, that the bunnies should dance around him at one o'clock every day naked. And 
it's a wonderful ceremony to attend and uh, very it's wonderful to remember the man that he was and uh, the uh, the advances he made for all these wonderful bunnies mm. yeah he did um well look is there anything else you would like us to know about your podcast or book anything you want the listeners to do uh, simply that there, it's also available as an audio book. So if, again, at Christmas you happen to be driving hundreds of miles, uh, you could strap in with all the family and listen on the journey, and that would be absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it's very much a family listening, as you probably right. learned over the course of this morning. Yeah, warm, educational. Yeah, there will be a warning at the top of this, because I think some <laughs> people listen you know, with their children in the car. Um, mm, mm. Do you either of you have an I'm a feminist but before we finish up? Yes, I have. A, I'm terribly sorry. I've been a problem with this. I don't, uh, I wouldn't consider myself a feminist. Uh, so, so maybe I'm a feminist but I'm not a feminist. Yes, I suppose. Well, I think that's it. I think that's it. I'm a feminist, but, uh, you know, I think I, I adore men. <laughs> well, listen, mm. we'd love to be contestants on Celebrity Come Come with me if you ever get that series away. I think we will. I've got high hopes for it. We've had a lot of interest. We've had a lot of interest. So people. Yes, we've had to uh, be in it. Johnny Depp's uh, keen to come on, as, as is John Noakes. Um, well, listen, it's been so wonderful to have you. Thank you so much, Joan and Jerrica. Thanks, Thanks Joan you. and Jerrica. Thanks so much. Oh. And uh, very best of luck. So, Grace Petrie, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's nice to actually be back on a call. Last time I was, um, we did, I didn't actually get to do the call with you because I had a wisdom tooth infection a couple of weeks ago, which was just ah. the funnest addition to the coronavirus pandemic that has happened to me all year. Um, wisdom but, uh, teeth yeah, have a good spin, Doctor. Mm. They have good PR, don't they? Because they don't make they you wiser. They're just very painful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's the same person that named the funny bone, named Wisdom Teeth. <laughs> I don't have Wisdom Teeth. I'm part of the Great Evolution. Is that what they call it? You don't have them as in you had them taken out or you just didn't have them? I don't have them. Oh. Wow. They right. will never be in my head. I also don't have my eight-year-old molars or one of those. Wow. My mouth is kind of a wreck, actually, if I'm honest. I, I, I brag about it, but it's, uh, it's in bad shape. Where's Foki Ben, Grace Peachy? Because normally you come on like the hecklers from the Muppets and you, he's not with you. Ben, Ben's flown the nest, mate. Foki Ben's left you. Ben's, Foki Ben has left me. Yeah. Oh, Foki this is a disappointing he, well, turn. You know, Foki Ben and I, this is funny because listeners probably won't know this because why would you? But Foki Ben was not my housemate. We didn't live together. He was just, he happened to be at my house because he was staying with me for a couple of weeks while he was getting a new place. And then lockdown happened. So he literally got stranded at my house and he was here for six months. Great for you, so, though, to have a to have a folky Ben buddy no, to play I, with. I was so grateful for it, honestly, because I'm, I don't do uh, very well on my own, to be honest, as we all in this position are. I'm deeply extroverted and divorced from my audience. I think I would have become very unhappy indeed. So, um, no, it was great to have him, but now he's, he's gone, yeah. Well, I'm gone. very he's sorry still, that he's, he's gone. He's still in the band and we're still... Um, Keeping in touch via Foki Ben, via please come back. We miss you, Foki Ben. Foki Ben, by the way, for those interested, um, I don't know when this is going to go out, but it's still on 4OD. Foki Ben was on Countdown. What? Uh, yeah, Foki Ben was on Countdown, and um, and uh, I won't spoil it for you, but he, we're very proud of him. He did, he did well. Wow. Um, so uh, yeah, Foki Ben was on Countdown. I think a couple of weeks ago. It's still on 4OD. For those of you who uh, uh, can you say Foki Ben's real name? Though it's not Foki Ben in real life. 
I will say his real name. His real name is Ben Moss. Ben Moss. So look look ben for Moss. Ben Moss on Countdown. And do you have a problem-solving song you for us? Problem? Do you have a problem-solving... Do I have a problem-solving song? I guess I could try and spin this into a problem-solving song. Yeah, I wrote this um, song uh, when, like, we first sort of went into lockdown. Basically, I just... I think that in a week where we have been discussing the importance and relevance and prominence of art in a situation like this i uh, agree with you deb that um i think it's uh, actually it's it's one of the most important things that we've got and and i think that um ultimately like there's only going to be one one way through this incredibly difficult situation and i think it's going to be uh together basically so i'm going to sing something that i don't think i've sung on here before but it's a song that i wrote about uh, the pandemic and um i don't know i think as the weather's turning i think you know we're not able to socialize outside anymore and i i know that me personally like the past couple of weeks it's just been a real like downward turn mood wise again and i think that it's just really important to remember that you know there is going to be another there's going to be another spring after this incredibly long winter and um Wonderful. That sounds that. lovely. Well, you are solving yeah. the problem of the long winter ahead uh, with this song that I will no doubt keep on a loop. So take it away, Grace Petrie. Today, and when my heart sinks, my darling. 
song that oh, is God. can i download that song uh, it's not out yet but i would just encourage everybody to keep checking in with me because i am actually i've got a new album on the way wow so it's that song may well be available before christmas i really want it to be it has to be because that's okay. going to go like hotcakes in the meantime you're just going to have to keep rewinding this little bit of the podcast because that was absolutely stunning You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Felicity Ward, and our very special guests, Joan and Jerrica from Dear Joan and Jerrica, with music by Grace Petrie. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer was Tom Salinsky from the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Rachel Croft and Gina Dicio and everyone who made this episode happen, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Woo! Yeah! Oh, dear, oh dear. Uh, Flick, can you just talk? Because I think we've lost you. Oh. Oh, no, you're there. You're back. Sorry. I saw your mouth move, but you might have just been like doing that. Um, You're just not used to me not talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So can we ask... Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts, der forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.